Wonderful. We're now into our third installment of this sermon series. If you missed any of it, you're welcome to go online. You can get all caught up, towerhillchurch.org. You can listen to the previous messages in this series called Next Steps, How to Discover God's Plan for You. And we talked about how uh, discovering this plan, I mean, this is that time of year where we're into resolutions, and the question that many of us start asking is, what what kind of person do I want to be in 2017? What are some things that I want to change? But the problem is that becomes too self-centered. And so we said that the, the real faith question that must be asked in that direction is, what does God want for me in 2017? What is it that God wants to do in my life, even more than what I want to see in my life? And uh, we use that wonderful illustration from Jeremiah about God being the potter. And that this is like spiritual formation. It's this messy process of God shaping us into that person that he created us and imagined us to be when he thought of us. But the difference between the potter and the clay and and us and God is that the clay can rebel. The clay can resist. We can willingly become too dry to be molded. And so it's a dance between the potter and the clay. We have to be willing to be shaped. And that is the process of spiritual formation. And at the bottom, the root cause of that, the root understanding of that is, I have to believe that God's version of me is better than my version of me. If you don't believe that, you will never really allow yourself to be shaped by God. And what do we know about God? God, That God knows us even better than we know ourselves. Before I formed you in the womb, I knew you, he said. For I know the plans I have for you, describes the Lord, plans to prosper you and not to harm you, to give you hope and a future. If you believe that, then you can begin to allow God to shape you. And when you allow God to shape you, you start living into the life that you were created to live with purpose and passion, a life like no other. That purpose and passion that you chase everywhere else always comes to a dead end. And you discover that 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 you've been longing for your whole life is found when you start following God's purpose for you. And so we frame this around, well, trying to figure out the answer to the question that you may be asking, and that is, gosh, you know, I'm not sure where I am in the formation process, but I need to find out what are my next steps. What are my next steps of this spiritual formation process? And today is step number two. Choose community. And there's a place in your uh, bulletin, there's an insert that's got a place for you to take notes. It's got a couple of points on there for you to take home. You can put on your fridge. But when I think of community, it is impossible to think of my life without thinking of community. What do I mean? Doing life with people. I can't just look at my life as if it's been in a vacuum. I look back at my earliest memories of playdates. We didn't call them playdates back then, but that's that's what they were. We just called it playing. We didn't have to schedule it. It just happened. But playdates. I mean, playdates. And, you know, and I'm thinking about my friends in grade school. I'm thinking about when my mother had me try out for the Pasadena Boys Choir, and I, I made it, and, uh, and I had a chance to go on a ski trip with them, and it was, it was uh, I just, I'm remembering that moment in my life. It was a big moment. 
I remember uh, playing on a lot of sports teams, soccer teams, baseball teams. And then, of course, growing up a little bit older, uh, as I was on, you know, in high school, I'm thinking about the football team, I'm thinking about going to college, being part of a fraternity, thinking about all of my friends, and uh, that whole process of my life, as I look at each stage along the way, I'm thinking about the community that was with me. My friends, my family, everybody. Because it's impossible to think of our lives apart from community. The truth is, human beings, we are all not just dependent on community. We are all wired for community. We crave it. We long for it. We go to great lengths to achieve it. Like when I was in middle school, and I told you that awkward story about me rolling up my jeans, trying to look cool, and I couldn't do it right, or using a lot of hairspray. Why did I do that stuff? Because I wanted to belong. I wanted to be part of a community. And so you go to great lengths to do that. In fact, I would say most of us are gravitating, and most of the things, decisions that we make gravitate towards community and away from isolation. We'll gravitate away from loneliness. And I think this explains a lot. Even gangs, you know, they talk about, about this all the time, is that the whole reason gangs exist is because they are fulfilling that need for community for a lot of young men and women. And that shows the power of community because, because they are willing to overlook some of the atrocities they may be asked to commit just for that sense of community. It's very, very powerful because we all crave it. We are all wired for it. I think this community was on display yesterday, feeling community over this, uh, you know, all the demonstrations and marches that were going on all over the world was a sense of community. Hey, hey, it's not just my voice. It's a voice of all these people who are with me, people really feeling that, at least from all the people that I knew were involved in that, and I'm watching their Facebook you know, feeds, they were feeling a real sense of community. And, and on doing that for all different reasons, some of them had to do with, with President Trump and some of them really didn't. They had to do with, with other things that they felt like they needed community to gather around. I, it, I think this really explains the social media phenomenon, this sense of community, your online community. We crave community so badly, we will try to get it anywhere, even at great cost or even with negative consequences. I I think you could even make the argument that the deepest question that human beings ask is that question that you hear asked every once in a while when they look up at the stars and ask, are we alone? Well, whether that question is about life and other planets or or if there is a God, I think that's the deepest haunting question of humanity is, am I alone? I think this is a question that resonates in the chambers of our soul. Am I alone or is there someone else? Is there something more? And I think scripture affirms this longing that we have for community. Even just taking the story of Adam and Eve. Adam was created and what happened? He was lonely. He wanted community. 
Even the promise that God makes to Abraham is communal. From Genesis 15. Then the word of the Lord came to him, This man will not be your heir, but a son who is your own flesh and blood will be your heir. He took him outside and said, Look up at the sky and count the stars, if indeed you can count them. Then he said to him, So shall your offspring be. It wasn't just an individual promise to Abraham. It was a promise of community. Our experience and scripture affirm, I think, the same thing. And that is, we have a longing. We have a craving to experience community. Why? Why are we like that? Why are we wired that way? Well, I think a scientist might tell you something like, uh, it's a protective instinct. That if we're part of the herd, we're safer. Or a sociologist might tell you we're just all looking to experience love and acceptance. But is that why we are wired that way? What does a Christian believe? I think a faithful response to this question has to do with how you think about God. Here's what I mean. Science and sociology can give me some answers. But I don't know if I start with science and sociology that I, that I get to God. Here's what I mean. Let's say this communion table. You want to know all about this communion table. And so you, there's two ways you could go about this. You can uh, come to my office and ask me the question, Jason, what's the communion table like? And I will do my best to explain what it looks like my experience of it when I stand behind it. But there's really no replacing you just walking into the sanctuary and taking a look at the communion table. I think this is true when it comes to our understanding of God. We can hear about everybody's experience of God. I can tell you all sorts of things about God, which I hopefully do every week. But there is no replacement for you actually looking at God. How do you look at God? Scripture tells us. Jesus Christ came in human history to show us exactly what God is like. So if you look to Jesus Christ, you can understand God. Now, we're about to get into some really deep theological water. So everybody's just like, wake up. Give me five minutes of like thinking hard. If you look at Jesus Christ you know what God is like. Because he is God. Now, the reason why I think we are wired for community is because God is wired for community. We are made in God's image. What is God but a community within himself. Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Boy, I've taught a lot of confirmation classes where you're trying to explain the Trinity. That's, that's a tough one. I said, well, it's like an egg. You know, there's three parts to an egg. There's a shell, and there's a white, and there's a yolk. So they all go together. They make an egg, and you separate them. There's still an egg. They're just like a different part of the egg. It's kind of like the Trinity. Or I've heard the Trinity is like H2O. 
Right? So, you, so H2O is still H2O, but it can be liquid, and it can be steam, and it can be ice. They're all distinctly different, but they're all the same. I mean, the Trinity is one of those things that will just explode your mind. But what we do know about the Trinity is that Father, Son, and Holy Spirit are all interconnected. You can't separate them. And yet, they are each distinct. Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So why is that important? Well, if you're asking about why we're wired for community... Look at Jesus Christ. What do you know about Jesus Christ? He's the second person to the Trinity. Community is the way that God is wired. And then, if you look at creation and what happens there, what does God do? There's this wonderful painting I wish I could show you right now. Uh, uh, it's a very famous painting uh, by an artist named Rublev that, that did a picture of the Trinity kind of sitting in community together. But they're sitting in such a way in a semicircle that there's an open part of the table. The idea that we were created to be in that circle of community with Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. That was how we were created. That's what Adam and Eve experienced. Then what happens? Sin destroys that community with God. There is no I in team, but there's an I in sin. Sin is all about my individual desire to be a God unto myself, to make all the decisions that I want for myself. I don't need anybody telling me me what to do. Thank you very much. Sin has broken that community relationship, and we've been longing for it ever since. That's why I think we're wired for community, and that's why I think we crave it so badly. We have been longing for community back with God our Father since the day sin entered the world, and we can't seem to find it. No matter where we look, family, friends, fraternities, work, sports, they give us a sense of community, but they never take us far enough. We're never fulfilled enough. And then Jesus Christ, what happens when we come to faith in him? Jesus Christ conquers sin for us, and we are joined through faith. We rejoin the community of God. So what happens with faith? We experience the community that we were designed to experience. All right, take a breath. Basing community on the Trinity is a really, it's a deep idea. So let that marinate in a little bit. What does it look like to rejoin the community of God? As we go to 1 Corinthians 12. The community of God is described as a body, interconnected and interdependent. A fully functional body needs all the parts working. Paul writes, just as a body, though one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body, so it is with Christ. For we were all baptized by one spirit so as to form one body whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, and we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. And you go to verse 27. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. The body of Christ. All those who have been brought in 
to that community with God again are part of the body of Christ. So spiritually speaking, we should then be able to say, what is God like? Know a Christian. Know the body of Christ, and you will know Jesus. And if you know Jesus, then you know what God is like. There's problems with that, too. I'm going to get to that. I met a lot of Christians that didn't show me about God. But What is the body of Christ? What is also the body of Christ? The church. Remember, the church is never referred to as a building in Scripture. It's only referred to as the body. The collection of the believers of Jesus who have rejoined the Trinity in eternal community. Let me try to land this in real life a little bit. Although I had all those experiences of community, it wasn't until I experienced Christians and I came to faith in him that I felt like I really understood what what community was. When I came to faith in Jesus Christ and I was sharing life with other Christians, something happened. I I felt closer, faster with that group of people than I ever would have any other group of people. There's some kind of connection that I noticed that happened when I came to faith. Something about that experience of community, it, it hit me. It hit me so hard that like this, this is different. It's like all the other community I've experienced has just been sort of a a step down from this Christian community of of faith in Jesus Christ, of love, of hope. You experience all of these things together, and it's like you get this little piece of like, man, is this what heaven's going to be like? Because I can't wait. This is amazing. This is different. Here's the sad part. I don't know if it's just our culture or if it's the area of the country that we live in or whatever. We have a really hard time experiencing Christian community anymore. We got to plan play dates for ourselves, grown adults. Everything's moving so fast. Some of this Christian community that we talk about remains just talk. Because we feel like we don't have time to live it. See, this is what I believe. Maybe I'm wrong, but I, I can back this up with Scripture. Here's what I believe. I believe that I will never fulfill my longing for community until I find that community in Christ. That that is my only shot of fulfilling that need for community, that craving and longing that I have. Because it's when I come to faith in Christ, I rejoin the community for which I've been created. That community with God. And I'll try chasing community and love and acceptance and belonging everywhere. Everywhere. Regardless of the consequences. If I'm not finding it. But I'll never be fulfilled. I might experience community, 
by joining a soccer team or a book club or whatever it is, friends, family. I'll experience some community, but it will never be the community I experience when I come to faith. I'll put it to you this way. Some people have said, well, I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. I get it. I get it. That's usually people who have had a bad experience of church or who think church is boring or, you know, whatever. So I don't need to go to church to be a Christian. If you might be thinking that, I mean, you're here, so, you know, you might not be, but for all those joining us online, if you're thinking that, the reality is Jesus said, do you remember the greatest commandment? He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. Loving God and loving one another are interconnected. You take out loving one another, you're not really loving God. You take out loving God, you can't really love one another. This is the Christian community that we have been designed for. We go to Ephesians 4. Verse 11. So Christ himself, speaking of the body, Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors and teachers to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. The whole measure of the fullness of Christ is connected with our ability to experience community in the body. That's what he's saying. Then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people in their deceitful scheming. Instead, speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body, joined and held together by every supporting ligament, grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. In other words, community in God is this supernatural connection that unlocks our purpose, made possible by our constant work of love. I think to boil all this down to the next steps, God's individual plan for your life is discovered in community. But most of us, you know, we get so hung up on what's next for me, God? What, what does God want for me? What is going when really the answer to that is when we start experiencing community, God makes that clearer. But we are all still in progress, including the Christian church. The church is not perfect, newsflash. It is not the way that it is, should be yet. Pardon our mess. Sin is still around. We are in the process. We are 
pardon sinners. We are sinners and saints. We get it wrong as much as we get it right. There's a lot of humanness in the life of the church. And this is why a lot of people don't come because they think, well, church ought to be different if this is the community of God. Why are people so mean to each other? They have a point. On the other hand, that's the whole reason we're together is we acknowledge we need a savior. We need forgiving. We're already the church, but we're not yet the church. But we're on our way. Our experience of church is still imperfect. But if you think about it, if you believe in evil at all, if you believe in Satan, if you believe in spiritual darkness, if the number one thing in life that we must discover is Christian community, don't you think that he would attack that more than anything else and try to derail you from Christian community as much as possible? I'm not the kind of person who believes because I tripped, the devil had his foot out. You know what I mean? I'm not that guy. But I have to acknowledge that that's going on, that there's a darkness that's trying to stop me from experience real community. So what do we do with all that? Let me give you some next steps. Let's land this thing in some very practical ways. I think the first step that you have to acknowledge is realize that it's not that you're choosing community as much as Community has already chosen you. Jesus Christ has chosen you. He's got an idea of what he wants to mold you to be, but you have to be willing to be shaped. And then the second very practical thing is do life together in Christian community. It's it's not complicated but it's not simplistic either. It's a process. Do life together. Circles are better than rows. This is not creating much community here. When you're sitting in rows, you're looking at the back of people's heads. You get real familiar with them. But you're not talking with people. You're not engaging in community. Sitting next to somebody in church does not bring you together. It's enjoying that coffee out there and the thunder of the conversation that you get connected, you get updated, you get community. You have to find ways to engage in Christian community. So here's one thing I'd love for you to do. And you could do this today, right after church. I'm willing to bet there's somebody sitting close to you that you don't know. Now, you know, don't, don't, don't be weird. Don't make people feel weird. Don't look around and stare. I'm just... I'm willing to bet that's true. Listen, what if after church, all you did was introduce yourself and, and then we can all give permission to be awkward together? <laughs> this is how Christian community starts. It starts by engaging in conversation. Just a minute. That's it. Then to be longer than that. Talk with somebody you don't know. I want you to also save the date. We're trying really hard to create more groups. Uh, Short-term groups like, like that do four weeks and then other groups that are longer. We're doing this event in February, February 25th. This is in your bulletin insert. February 20th called Group Link. It's going to be an event that we're planning where we're going to try to get people who want to be in a group show up to this thing. And we'll have some food. We're actually talking about food trucks. I don't know if we're going to pull it off, but we're working on it. We want to bring everyone together and to try to help them discover what's a group they could jump into 
uh, right away to start experiencing community. February 25th. So put that on your calendar. Save the date. Group link. And remember, number three, that God's plan emerges as we test it in Christian community. Here's the thing. Let's live more into the potter's design by taking the next step together. What is your next step? Maybe it's to rejoin the community of God and experience that community like no other because it's then that you're going to discover God's purpose for you. Amen. Let us stand together and sing our final hymn.